Praise God. If you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and get it out. Got your Bible apps on your phone. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. I want to share with you a new message uh, the Lord's put on my heart, been stirring in me, and I believe it will be uh, helpful. You'll see as we go. Don't want to give you the punchline yet. Uh, but let's start with this passage. Let's read the first four verses right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Uh, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Now, this is, this is basic. This is fundamental truth that uh, all true Christians know and embrace. Um, and basically, that uh, we are different than we used to be. We're different from others who have not yet experienced this. And this greatest difference, the biggest thing that we proclaim is that we're different because we've been forgiven of our sins. And we can shout about that all day long. I tell you, if we're here 50 years from now, we'll still be singing songs about being forgiven. About God's grace. Amen. About His mercy and kindness. And how He has washed our sins away. Uh, None of us claim that we have never sinned. And we just acknowledge that God in His great love has forgiven us. And that's always good news. And that's in the gospel message. That's the basics of what what we preach and who we are. Because of this, we don't disqualify anyone. No matter what someone has done, you can have the same experience that we have. If you've sinned a lot, you can be forgiven. If you've sinned a little, you can be forgiven. If you're self-righteous and think you haven't sinned at all, you have. And you can be forgiven of that. Um, but we, we disqualify no one because we've experienced this personally. Any true Christian, it's at the very root of who we are. We say, thank you, Lord. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I got it anyway. And I'm forgiven of all of my sins. And I want to share with you about this a little bit and the importance of this. And, and then I'll, I'll give you more as, as we go. But let's start with this, def, this definition of the word sin. All right. I see. I need to know what I'm forgiven of. What did I do? Here's what you did. You ready for this? This is not going to be heavy, heavy. This is no one's going to go down out of here with your head hanging low. So be encouraged, even if you're right in the middle of some bad stuff. Uh, but sin, as defined by the the Greek word in the New Testament that's translated sin, simply means to miss the mark. All right. It is missing the mark. Uh, what is that mark? Well, that's an, that's an established standard of God. Okay, He's the one who sets the bar, and we've all missed it. Well, when I read about missing the mark, I'm, I think of like a, like a target, 
Like maybe someone with a bow and arrow or with a gun, you're shooting at a target and it's got the circles and it's got the center and, uh, you know, the goal is to hit it right in the middle every time. But how many know no one hits it right in the middle every time? You may have done some things right in life and may have hit your target, but guaranteed every single one of us have been outside of that target. Sometimes. I mean, have anyone ever gone shooting? target practice, and you shot, boom, 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 and, and you went up there and went, and, and there was not a hole in the whole paper. <laughs> I not only missed the mark, I, I'm in a different universe here. <laughs> Must be the sights are off, right? <laughs> uh, but, but we've all missed the mark, even if we've hit it at times, every one of us have. Now, consider um, the different types of, of sin that is... Um, a part of people's lives, there are sins that are called sins of commission. All right? A sin of commission means I simply committed a sinful act. All right? I did the wrong thing. Uh, there is God's standard. There's what He says. There's what God commands. There's God's character, which really sets the bar. The character of God. And I've done things in life that missed that standard. All right, uh, those are sins of commission, breaking God's command or His character. Uh, there are also sins then of omission. All right, that means I didn't do anything, and that was the problem. Yeah, someone said I haven't done anything wrong. I know you haven't done anything right either. <laughs> and so there are times when it is considered by God's divine, uh, you know, standard, sinful by not doing certain things. All right. Uh, you might recall Jesus was teaching about how things are taken personally to him. He said, uh, you know, when you didn't visit me when, uh, when I was sick, when you didn't visit me in prison, and I can't quote that exactly, but you didn't do this to me, he, or you didn't do this to the, to the least of these, you didn't do it unto me. Right? Remember that? And, and so he was talking not about bad things that people had done, but about good things that people had not done. And so, no matter what we think about our own lives, and, and, well, I'm a pretty good person, and I haven't done so many bad things, well, there's always this. There's always what we haven't done that we should have done. And so, uh, you know, James 4.17 reads, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. All right? When you know to do something and you don't do it. Now, right at the same time when we're talking about wrong behaviors. There are sins that would be in the category of deed or action, doing something, or on the contrary, not doing not doing something that you ought to do. Sins of deed. And then the scripture really paints this clear that there are sins that are thoughts. Okay? In other words, I didn't ever do anything, but I pondered it. I considered it. I meditated on it. I gave my thought life over to wrong behavior. You know, it's kind of like the old saying, uh, uh, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you certainly can keep it from building a nest in your hair, right? And, and how many know, not every thought that lands in our brain mean, me, means that we have sinned, all right? Good people have bad thoughts sometimes, but the question is, what do we do with them? Right? And if we meditate on them and play it over and over and over again, you know, right? It's like, like the guy who said, well, I, I didn't have sex with that woman. I know, but you thought about it a thousand times. 
you know, how, how do you deal with that? Is that okay? You see, and, and that's where Jesus, uh, Jesus brought the, the language in, in Matthew 5, 28, where he said he was discussing and talking about the law and adultery and so forth. And he said, I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so he brought it outside of or beyond just the physical activity, and he brought it into the mind realm. And how, how many know none of us are, 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 here, are here now saying, I've never done anything. <laughs> because when you get into the thought realm, you're going, yeah, yikes. Um, that's an issue. But here's, here's our, our approach to this. Because of what it took to get us free from sin, to pay the price, to bring forgiveness, to bring eternal life, because of what that costs, we should never view um, wrong behaviors in a light way. I should never think of it as, ah, but it's not a really a big deal because, I mean, you know, everyone does that. And nowadays, when, when sinful or ungodly behavior is so prolific and it's blatant and everywhere we turn on media and everything, it's just everywhere, it, it, there could be a, a temptation to think, no big deal. Yeah, but that's not a bad one. <laughs> you know, that's just, I, I just barely missed the target. Well, the thing is, what did it cost to forgive you of that? And here's what it costs. Let's never forget it cost the blood of God's own Son. It cost Jesus suffering and dying, being whipped and beaten and tormented and taking our place as uh, the curse. It costs a lot. He suffered greatly. Because of that, I can't think, ah, no big deal. You know, I mean, if my salvation, if, he, if Jesus pulled out a quarter and said, ha, I got you covered, bing, there you go. I purchased your salvation. I might be tempted to lightly esteem what I've received, but I know it costs much more than that. Huh? Never forget what it costs to give you eternal life and to forgive you of our sins. But at the same time, say, I want to take it real serious, heavy, heavy, big deal. Don't treat it lightly. I want to be very compassionate towards those who are enslaved by it. Okay? It's bad. It's horrific. I want to call it an abomination. If I see it in my life, if I see it in someone else's life, I want to call a spade a spade and say this is wrong, it's dark, it's evil, it's horrendous, it's terrible. Jesus died for it, but I'm still going to be compassionate because people are in bondage to sin. And they do things and they're, they're, they're deceived, they're enslaved, and so our hearts are moved with compassion. But I would ask you, I think we should ask ourselves, is there anything off limits to us? As far as behavior in our life, is there, are there any places we won't go? Do you have any standards? Do, uh, is there anything you won't watch? Uh, is there anything that goes across the bar and you say, since I've been saved, since I've given my life to the Lord, I'm just not going there. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to participate. You know, are, are, there, are there any jokes that you refuse to laugh at? I mean, they may be told well. They may be told by a professional. They may be creative. But like, no, no, I'm just not going to let that because I, I disagree with everything that's about. And I think that's a good thing. I'm not telling someone else what they can laugh at, but I'm saying, is there a standard for you? 
Where's the bar? What, what do you consider to have crossed the line if you're living for, for the Lord? Amen. Are there any discussions that you walk away from? People are, yep, 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 yep. And you say, hey, we'll see you guys later. Meaning maybe gossip of that, that type of stuff. You just say, you know what, I'm just not going to participate in that kind of discussion anymore. I'm not going to be a part of that. Because he's changed me. And it cost him a lot. And so I think it would be, it would be good for us to adapt the standards of God for our own lives. And uh, I don't want to say about sin, no big deal. Um, I don't want to, because that's not true, it is a big deal. Nor do I want to go into the, uh, the greasy side of things and just say, yeah, it's a big deal, but I'm forgiven, and so pff, no problem. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm in a ditch there. If I'm thinking it's not a, a big deal just because I'm already, you know, Jesus has already borne our sin, both of those thoughts are wrong. And what I've seen, and I say I've seen this, you've seen this, some of you are, live in this, and it's, an, it's your experience, but I've been in pastoral ministry for a while now, um, almost 29 years, and I've been a person for like longer. <laughs> you know, with my own life and my own issue and temptation and struggles and having to say sorry and you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I've been around for a while and I've noticed that there are many Christians, I mean, they are the real deal. They love God. They're going to heaven. They've received salvation, but they're still in bondage to certain behaviors. They're still in bondage, really, to sin, and they're not supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be. You're not supposed to be. If you've received eternal life, you're supposed to be totally dominant over that. But yet it is a real struggle, a real issue, a real, you know, a, a thing that people do, and then they feel bad about it. And they live with the guilt. They live with shame. And usually that produces a cycle. I feel bad about it. I feel guilty. See, that's also draining. It's unempowering. It saps our confidence. And so I feel like a rascal. And if I feel like a rascal, I'm probably going to act like a rascal. You know, if I feel like a lousy human being, a failure, I'm probably going to reproduce that again and again. And so there's got to be something. Even for the saved person, the person that dies today, they go to heaven for them to live victorious in this life. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I'll, I'll, I'll just say this right now, and we'll see where we, we, we end up today. But uh, all Christians, all true Christians, like I said, we believe in forgiveness of sin. But my concern is that not as many people believe in freedom from sin. And they'll tell you all day long, you can be forgiven, 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 forgiven. I know, but is that really the cycle we want? Is that really the pattern we desire? Is that our highest goal? Sin, forgiven, sin, forgiven, sin, forgiven, sin, forgiven, heaven. And that we go through our life really as slaves. Really in bondage to something technically, and I'll read, oh, we'll look at the scripture in a minute. Technically we've been set free, but that's not our, it's not our practical reality. I believe there's something better. It's not just being forgiven of, it's being freed from. And so that's my message. It's forgiveness and freedom. Being forgiven and free. If you would, turn over with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Now, uh, you know the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse, so sometimes... You know, we're reading a whole discussion here, even though the chapter changed. So let me just try to update you real quick. 
Um, Romans chapter 5 and verse 20 is a famous verse. And it reads this way. Romans 5.20. Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound. Okay, so what's the law? That's the law of Moses. That's the Ten Commandments and all the other commandments. It was given so people would go. They'd look in the mirror and say, help! They'd say, I've blown it. I've missed it. I can't meet the standard. I can't reach the bar that God has set. I have failed. Sinfulness would be, would, would be lifted and made obvious. Okay, that's the reason for the, the law, the Ten Commandments, all that kind of stuff. He said, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. All right, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And this is the good news for us. No matter how much we've missed it, there is a sufficient supply of grace that will overcome, that will outdo, that will take care of the sin problem. And really, God's grace goes beyond sin, uh, it's God's grace that heals us, that, that, that delivers us. It's God's grace that prospers us. It's God's grace that does every good thing that we want in life. And so we can be certain there is no mountain too high. There is no problem too big. There is no disease that is incurable. Nothing is going to measure up against and be outdone by the grace of God. Yeah, the grace of God truly is sufficient. And wherever there's an opposite, whenever there's a negative force, a curse, a darkness of any kind, a struggle, there is an, a, a sufficient amount of grace to put you over the top. All right? That's true for every single one of us, every single time. And we can be confident in God's overcoming grace. But now let's go to Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. It reads, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Which, of course, is a, is a logical question when you understand how amazing God's grace is. And you think, well, when God's grace is poured out, <laughs> He gets the glory. And we're forgiven of great sins. So, some have gone to the conclusion, well, good, let's give God more glory. <laughs> let's let Him be magnified and praised even more. So, the worse I am, the more I'm forgiven and the more thanks He gets. You can see how someone could go that down that pathway and, and, and have that, that logic. In fact, I know of groups that have. Uh, you know, a friend was ministering at a Bible college in a different part of the country, and they were ministering along some of these lines, and, and they've come to find out. He said there was a whole group of students that were, uh, they're, you know, in Bible school training for ministry and doing all this stuff, and they're having these wild parties and just very sinful lifestyles, all kinds of crazy stuff going on, and they were feeling like okay about it because of God's grace. And he came in there and, and said some things, and the students came thanking him. He said, they came thanking me saying, uh, thank you for setting that straight. <laughs> But really, it's set straight right here because it asks the question and then answers the question. Just because God's love is for everyone, just because He does not love us based upon our performance, we're not saved because we're good people or not bad people, just because that's true doesn't mean we should just let our hair loose and live a worldly lifestyle. All right. So verse 2 says, certainly not. Should we sin that grace may abound? You've got to be kidding. Certainly not. How shall we, now look at this phrase, who died to sin live any longer in it? Now, here, here's the mentality. If you're a believer, if you're a saved person, here's the mentality that's needed. You have died to sin. Died to sin. How many know dead people don't struggle with sin? 
But the mentality that often people have is they are alive unto it. Their, their life is almost schizophrenic in, in, in the sense of I'm saved and I'm lost. I'm a saint and I'm a sinner. I, I'm victorious and yet I'm defeated. And they have this dual mentality going on instead of dead to that. How many know we've all been to funerals and uh, sometimes there's a, you know, the casket is in the front. And, and how many know if the casket starts moving around? People are freaking out. Why? When there's no life, there's no movement, there's no activity, yeah? And the scripture declares that to be true about us, dead to, dead to sin. Amen. Amen. Verse 3, verse 3, is that where we stopped? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So we died with him. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So that's the contrast. We're dead to something. We're alive to something. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. See, we're not supposed to be. In my experience, maybe you can relate, there are real genuine Christians who are still slaves to sin. Now, I don't mean technically they are. I don't mean spiritually. I don't mean positionally they are. But I mean practically in their life. They love God. They try to serve the Lord. But they're in bondage. They're in serious bondage in their life, and they keep doing the same things over and over again, and they don't like the fact that they do it. But there is a real slavery there, real bondage. But according to this, it's not true spiritually. And, and, and one, of the, one of the issues here is a mentality, which is why these things are discussed. Say, well, if it's true, it's just true, and everyone has the same experience. No, the mind needs to be renewed. We need to understand what truly took place when we were born again. Have you ever been outside on a nice summer day and there were flowers around and different plants and trees and, and you saw one of those, uh, you know, one of those uh, insects flying? You know that, that insect with the, with the really big colorful wings and they kind of float and, they're, and people all look at them and they're, they're pretty and... And uh, you know what, t- what insect I'm talking about? Uh, the, uh, the caterpillar. Right? That's the caterpillar. And people look, and they look at that thing and say, Hey, look, 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 look at the caterpillar. Saved by grace. Is that how, is that how we refer to that? No. We say... If we were questioned a little bit deeper, we'd say, no, 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 you used to be a caterpillar, but now we call it a, a butterfly. Why do people do that to themselves spiritually? They keep calling themselves who they used to be. And they view themselves and they think of themselves as a sinner, saved by grace. Just like the caterpillar. <laughs> That's a caterpillar, saved by grace. No, it's just a butterfly. It's not something else pretending to be pretty, pretending to have wings. 
Amen. Likewise, it is in our lives. We must embrace that the old guy is dead. The sinfulness is dead. And now I'm a new creation in Christ. I've been born again. I've been made new. And this new me is not a slave to sin. I don't have to. He's changed my heart, my desires, my want. He's changed who I am. Say, well, I've still got some of these desires. Listen, totally understood. But this is the prerequisite to getting free. It is adapting a mentality of reality. Who we really are and what he says we have. He died so we would no longer be slaves to sin. Is he talking about heaven? This is not talking about heaven. It continues in heaven. But there's no temptation to sin in heaven. There are no demons. There's no unrenewed minds. There's no flesh. You know, uh, we're talking here that we're not slaves. And I believe the power of God, the grace of God, enables a person not only to be forgiven uh, of, but free from. And if we embrace the fullness of this, man, I tell you, this is the way it's supposed to be. But let's read, read a little bit more. Verse 7. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Right? Past tense, freed from sin. If you're freed from it, then you're not a slave to it. You're no longer in bondage to it. All right? If you're a believer here today, say it with me. Say, I am free from sin. No longer a slave. No longer in cuffs. No longer in bondage. Freed from sin. Yeah. See, that mentality aligns with God's Word. Any other mentality is contrary to to who he says we are. All right? Uh, Verse 8, Now if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. What does that mean? That means that no longer has dominion over me. I died with him, was raised with him. It no longer dominates him. It no longer dominates me. Say it out loud. Sin shall not have dominion over me. Verse 10, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, likewise, here we go, verse 11, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now think about the word reckon. If you're from the south, you know the word reckon, right? That's why you have to fix them, because you reckoned. But in our world, up here, speaking English, we might say consider. Why should I consider myself dead to sin? Because I am. But the very fact that we're told to consider ourselves dead to something means that even though we are, spiritually speaking, dead to it, we could consider ourselves alive to it. I could have a mentality of being beneath it. I struggle with it. It dominates me. It's hard. It's, or, or a mentality that maybe it's the caterpillar mentality, but it's, it's uh, I am a lousy, no good, good for nothing. I'm just a thief. I'm just a liar. I'm just a gossip. 
I'm just a, an adulterer. I'm just whatever, whatever. And people embrace what the Scripture says you're dead to. Instead of saying, no, no, I may have done those things, and, but that's not the issue because I've been forgiven. But I've not only been forgiven, I've been set free from it. And so I, I refuse to give it place. I refuse to acknowledge that it has any kind of influence in my life. And you might, literally, yes, you might literally say that in the middle of being tempted to do it. Being tempted because you've set up patterns of thought, patterns of behavior, and you're about to do it again, but in the middle of it you say, that's not me. No, <laughs> I'm dead to that. I'm keeping the coffin closed. Not letting that dude out because he's dead. Yeah? And so, so th- this is the reality, and I want to say it again, but Jesus didn't just die to forgive us of sin. He also died to free us from sin. I need the forgiveness because that rids the guilt and the shame and allows me to live out who I really am. But I also need to acknowledge the freedom from sin. And there is a lifestyle uh, available to us. I mean, if I, if I could just ask, uh, by show of hands here today, how many, uh, wait till, so we can all do it at once, because I've already preached this message once, I know the response, unless you guys are totally different. Uh, but how many of you could say, genuinely say, there are things I used to do, and it's not that I just don't do them as often, or I don't, you know, or I don't, I don't even want to. There are things I used to be, think, ways I used to behave, things I used to be involved with, and I literally don't even want to do that anymore. How many can lift your hand and say that's the case? So, so this freedom from sin is real. Where our, our, our being changed is not just theory. It's not just a, a statement we make. None of us are claiming by lifting our hands that we, that we presently aren't still a work in progress in some areas. But literally, we have seen God change us, make us new, change our desire, take away the want to in certain areas. And I believe that can be and ought to be normal for all of us in life. That we are not only forgiven from it, but we walk away from, from it. Not just by willpower, not just by I tried real hard. No, but I accessed something that was real and powerful and eternal. It is the grace of God. So my life is not just a continuation of sin forgiven, sin forgiven, sin forgiven, sin forgiven. It is sin forgiven and free from. To where, wow, I used to be that way. I used to do that like all the time. And it totally lost its grip upon my life. I'm a different person. This is also the power of the gospel. It is also God's ability working in and towards our lives. Now, now listen. Uh, we'll often talk about getting victory over certain problems in life. Victory over poverty. Victory over disease. You know, victory in different things that attack addictions and different things. Getting victory in life. And, uh, and, and no doubt though that's right and that's valid. What we should understand is victory over sin is sometimes connected to victory over other problems that we have in life. 
In other words, if I'm praying for someone who's sick, I'm not going, you know, when we just did a healing service the other day, I'm not going down the line saying, have you sinned? Did you repent of that? All right, good, okay, be healed. All right, we're not, we're not, we're not running the sin test because we believe in God's grace. We're, you know, we're healed because of what he did. But are there any problems that people face in life that are directly tied to sin? There are. In fact, you remember when uh, Jesus ministered to, he went into that pool of Bethesda, all those sick people there, and there was that cripple, and and that person got healed and walked out of there. And the Lord said to him in John chapter 5 something very interesting. He said, he told him, he said, go and sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. Now, we're not tying all problems to certain, certain behaviors. Not everyone that has experienced a worse thing coming upon them is a result of their own personal failure. But do you see that sometimes it is? Sometimes individuals suffer problems in various areas of their life, and it is tied to what they did. Always? No. Sometimes? Yeah. Say, well, how do I know? I've got a recommendation. Even if you don't know, get free from sin. (laughs) Because it is helpful on so many levels. And sometimes it's obvious that our behavior is producing our bad results, right? But if this is the case, in my heart as a pastor, as a, just as a Christian, I want to see people helped, healed, blessed, favor, you know, walking in God's blessings all their days. I can't do that successfully without ever addressing this issue. What? Forgiveness from, or forgiveness of, and then freedom from. Because even though a person receives forgiveness of their sin, if they don't ever receive the grace of God to give them victory over it, man, they're going to suffer. The problem, the, the devil's going to kick their butt. All right? Even though they're loved of God, even though they're embraced of the Lord, the enemy's going to clean their clock. And so we need to walk in the fullness of what he has called us to. And I really believe the Lord will work in us and take away the want to of so many wrong things. Many believe in being forgiven of, but few believe in being free from. But I'm telling you, this is God's will and His plan for our lives. Now, I have a real big key that I want to share with you, but I'm out of time today. And, uh, and so I'm going to get into that, I believe, next week. And it is going to, it, it's a word that you know, but it's going to, the shift of thinking in what that really means and how it's applied is going to break the power of this garbage that Jesus already broke, but it's going to break it off of you. I'm, I'm confident. Amen. All right, Father, today we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love.